It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Marcus Smart plays defense against the coronavirus, and day two of our deep dive into Celtics history brings us to a time the Celtics really didn't want Bob Cousy. It's a Wednesday, Locked On Celtics. Millies, let's go. John Corral is here of MassLive.com. Thanking you once again for making this podcast part of your daily routine. Super psyched that you continue to do so and continue to make the Locked On Celtics podcast the number one Boston Celtics podcast on all of the podcasting charts. It's uh, very uh, exciting to see the podcast up there and stay up there, and it's all because of you. And uh, continuing to put out Monday through Friday daily free podcasts for you so you can take it with you if you are going somewhere, hopefully staying home doing something at home, putting it on, you know, maybe you can cast it to your TV, kind of make it a thing that you're watching, whatever it is, I'm glad that you're doing it. We'll start quickly with a bit of news. Marcus Smart, who is cleared of the coronavirus, no longer has it, never had any symptoms, but did test positive. One of a few players who have tested positive, we knew that Rudy Gobert, obviously he's the guy that that started the whole thing, got the league shut down, uh, Donovan Mitchell, we know that uh, Christian Wood of Detroit had it all. Everybody cleared for Detroit. Uh, I'm sorry, for Brooklyn Nets had it, including Kevin Durant. Don't know anything about him, but I'm assuming that he's fine because we haven't heard anything otherwise. And a couple of Lakers had it and have been cleared as well. Marcus Smart is donating blood to uh, go towards this program, this national program that takes the plasma from his blood and will test it, research it, use it as a treatment for people who are still fighting the coronavirus. This treatment, it's primitive, it's it's a little older, it's whatever you want to call it, but it's shown some promise and it's fast. What they do basically, in a quick scientific explanation, when the coronavirus or any virus passes through your system and you're cured, your body has created these antibodies. It's the same theory behind the flu shot. They give you a tiny dose of it, your body creates the antibodies, and you're kind of immune to it. That's the theory. And so Marcus Smart had coronavirus. He developed the antibodies. Now he's cleared. And now they're going to take the blood with those antibodies and inject it into the most serious patients. And hopefully that triggers that person's body to start making those antibodies and fight the virus. It's shown some promise. Uh, I don't know that it's 100% effective, but it's it's something, and it's fast. It goes from Marcus Smart's body into a patient quicker than anything else they can try. So it's something that he's doing, and got to applaud him for stepping up. And again, as people have said on Twitter, playing defense, again, Marcus Smart style, 
when you need a big stop in this time, America needs a big stop of the coronavirus, you call on Marcus Smart and he steps up and he's going to do it with his own blood. So if this works, you know, I mean, it's amazing. You know, Marcus Smart's going to step up and be like, yeah, I'm going to defend against COVID-19. So shout out to Marcus Smart for, for doing this. The NBA is working with the national program doing this. Other guys, I'm sure, are going to do this. It's not just going to be Marcus Smart. Anybody that's had it, this is what makes the test, the antibody test, so important. A lot of people, a lot of us have had it. I don't know if I've had it or not. Uh, It's possible. I mean, I've been around. I've been around all of these guys. The last time Marcus Smart spoke in public, I was sitting directly across from him. As I've said before, it's possible that I was infected. It's been more than two weeks. I haven't really had any symptoms, but Marcus Smart didn't have any symptoms. I'm a relatively healthy guy. What if I had it? If there's an antibody test out there and I have it, if I've developed antibodies, then I want to develop, I want to donate my blood too. Anybody who has had this and is cured should donate the blood to help fight it and just keep going back. Put a, a tap in my arm, take as much as you can and keep going back for more because, uh, that that would be a uh, a very important way to help fight this. So uh, it's it's as as important as it is to get a vaccine and the tests to see who has coronavirus. It's almost as important, maybe equally important, to get the antibody tests out there, so those people who may have had it can see if they can help fight it. So Marcus Smart doing that shouts to Marcus Smart. And now it's time to return to our story of the Boston Celtics. When last we spoke yesterday, day one of our deep dive in the 1950s, we got ourselves up to uh, the 1950 NBA draft where Red Arback, Walter Brown, they're now a team here in Boston running the Boston Celtics. We know that the Celtics at this point have had uh, struggles. Their first four years of existence were losing years. And now Red Arback is in town, has a history of winning, and is ready to make his first selection in the first ever NBA draft. And they have an opportunity to get Bob Cousy, who we know now is one of the franchise's all-time greats, maybe on the Boston Celtics, Mount Rushmore. But they didn't want him. Not only did they not want him, they tried twice to not get him. And there was an important moment in this story between Red Arback and Bob Cousy that changes the entire course of Celtics history. If that moment doesn't happen the way it did, the entire course of Celtics history goes sideways. That's coming up next. For now, you and I are stuck at home. Hopefully, you're not out there running around unless you absolutely have to. If you're one of the first responders, if you're one of the frontline people, mad respect to you and your heroes. The rest of us have to stay home, which means you have to find a way to stay in shape at home. And there's a great way to get 
a great home workout, and you can get into the best shape of your life, it's with Echelon. If you go to echelonfit.com, you can discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer high-quality at-home cycling experience at less than half the price of a Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone, from busy moms and dads, first responders, elite athletes, whatever your activity level, there's something for you. And with a daily live on-demand studio class right in your home, you'll never have to set foot in a gym. You are going to love it. But if you're not 100% satisfied, Echelon's going to give you your money back. So join hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. Don't pay a ton for Peloton. Buy an Echelon bike today for under $1,000. Go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A to learn about their limited time, free Apple iPad, and complete details of this exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. Echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here we are, day two of the Boston Celtics history lesson. It's me, John Corrales, joined by Mike Dinan. We recorded the entire conversation on Monday. Here is part two and the pivotal moment of Red Arback and Bob Cousy, a guy they didn't want. Here's the conversation. The 1950 draft, you get Chuck Cooper, but the number one pick, let's explain the drafts back then. Uh, there was a thing called the territorial picks. For people who don't know the the way things worked back then, this is the early days of the NBA. They're trying mm. to kind of appeal to the masses and say, look, if if a player is playing in a city, then if that city wants that player, regardless of draft position, they can make him the territorial pick. That was in a large part because of the popularity of college ball. Um, prior to the NBA, you only had college basketball as uh, the what the fans could watch. And college ball became very big. And the NBA, even in its early years, um, they were 
they struggled a little bit with attendance and all college ball still remained more popular and a way to appeal to fans and get them to back their local team was to have the territorial selection. And so, as you said, if a player played in New York, let's say went to NYU or uh, in that area, uh, then they would be picked by the Knicks if the Knicks wanted them. And they didn't have to use a draft pick on that person. They just uh, got to say, yes, we claim him as our territorial pick. Um, Will Chamberlain went to school in at the University of Kansas, but he was a territorial pick, I think it was 1962, of the Philadelphia team because he had gone to high school in Philadelphia. That's the way they were flexible because the main thing is they wanted to have – let the fans have the players that they knew and who were popular. So one of the most popular guys in college in 1950 was playing at Holy Cross in Worcester, and his name is Bob Cousy. Um, and if you close your eyes and think historically of the Boston Celtics, inevitably the image of Bob Cousy dribbling up the floor in that you know classic black and white footage pops into your mind. But the Celtics did not want Bob Cousy. Um, the first ever NBA draft, the first NBA draft, was actually Boston Celtics pick. They had the top overall pick. And instead of Bob Cousy, instead of using their territorial pick on Bob Cousy, they go with Chuck Share. And <laughs> Red says... Is a great quote about Coos. I don't give a damn for sentiment. The only thing that counts to me is ability, and Coosie hasn't proven that he's got that ability. I'm not interested in bringing someone in just because he's a local yokel. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about one of the greatest point guards of all time, Mike. And here's, here's yeah. Red going like, nah, no thanks. Well, that was Red, you know, Red being Red. Uh, he was going to do what he was going to do. But like the popularity of Bob Cousy in New England was off the charts. Uh, again, college ball being the most popular thing. Uh, Cousy was an icon in New England. He was an All-American. Uh, Holy Cross won the NCAA championship with him there. And I think everyone just assumed that the Celtics would go after him. Uh, you know, would uh, would pick him, and then he would come, and everybody would be happy. They could still watch their guy, and uh, it didn't quite work out that way. As you said, uh, they picked Charlie Share because Red felt he needed a big man, and Bob Cousy went elsewhere. In fact, we go back to Tri Cities, the Tri Cities mm-hmm. Blackhawks, which had Red, and now at this point of the story. Has Cousy. Now, the, the Tri-Cities Blackhawks became eventually the Atlanta Hawks, um, but they're centered now in Moline, Illinois. And uh, Cousy said of the Blackhawks, <laughs> uh, he got a call. It says, congratulations, you're the number one pick of the Tri-Cities Blackhawks. And he says, my response was something like, what the hell is a Tri-Cities Blackhawk? So... <laughs> um, Coos actually has this like taxi business, right? He's like a, 
a, a car business going in Worcester. Yeah. Like a Capitalizing on his popularity. So he's sitting there running all of the things you said about Coos. And when he's done playing college basketball, he's sitting there saying like, yeah, I'm just going to run this, uh, this car thing in, in Worcester. And that was it. He was, he was done playing basketball. He's moving on. So Tri Cities comes along and he says, all right, well, I, I'm going to ask for the money basically that I would have made. If you're going to have me shut down my car business, my taxi business, uh, then I'm going to need the money to recoup the driving school. Uh, it was a driving school, right? I think so. Yes. Okay. So it was a driving school. Um, so he asks tri cities in 1950 for $10,000. Um, and they're like, Nope. So they traded him and Kuzi goes to Chicago, the Chicago stags. This is where the basketball gods are basically like, all right, look, Boston, we gave him to you on a silver platter and you refused. We, we sent him to this team that traded him to Chicago and the Chicago stags fold. All right. Here's your chance. You got him again. Go for it. And they still didn't want him. They actually, if the Celtics had gotten, there's a dispersal draft. Okay. Yeah. And the, the other NBA teams are in on this draft. They're going to pick from the team, the, the guys who are on the stags. And if the Celtics were number one, they wouldn't have picked Kuzi. They ended up second. So the Knicks go first. And they picked this guy, Max Zaslovsky. And the Celtics went second, and they were like, all right, fine. We'll take Kuzi, I guess. It was like the basketball guys were like, look, we're not giving you the number one pick. We're giving you the number two pick. We're, you are getting Kuzi whether you like it or not. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA Podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. So, Koozie comes along. And uh, his relationship with, with Red is kind of like, like I said before, Red's Red's not exactly on board with, with Coos. Do you have like the, the, the early days of, of Red and Coos kind of like, w- what do you know of, of, of those? Well, it was an adjustment, of course. Uh, I mean, Red didn't want him. Obviously, you said, you know, you told that whole story uh so 
but you know, Kuzi was a great player and Red was going to take advantage of that. And I'm pretty sure that he, that he, it didn't take him long to realize that he had somebody that was really going to help the team move up. Um, I remember one of the things that they had like a little bit of a problem was Kuzi was a showboat to use the term from those days. And that wasn't, that wasn't meant as a compliment. Uh, you know, he was too flashy for the fifties behind the back dribbling, uh, between the legs passing things that we take for granted now, but, and that everyone does. But back then it was unheard of. He was the first to do this kind of thing. And a lot of times his passes didn't end up with the man they were intended for. They ended up in the, in the seats and, uh, red, I remember reading just, told Kuzi, look, I don't care whether you throw the ball behind your back or what. Just make sure the man catches the pass. And that was something that was common sense, a common sense solution, I guess, that helped them get along a little better um, and obviously made them more effective on the court. And so he, he takes Kuzi aside and says um, – would you agree that guys like Ed McCauley and Chuck Cooper are pretty good athletes with quick hands? Kuzi says, sure. And then Red says, well, then will you please tell me why they can't catch your passes? Uh, how come they're hitting these guys in the head or bouncing off their chest or just missing their fingertips? And Red has the story of, of this kind of moment between him and Kuzi. He confronts Kuzi, and, and, and now the ball is in Kuzi's court. Kuzi, like you said before, is the most popular guy in New England, the most popular basketball player in New England. If Kuzi decides that he's going to kind of pop off, everybody's going to take his side. The media is going to take his side. The fans are going to take his side, and and our back's done. This is a this is a critical moment in in Boston Celtics history. This meeting between him and Kuzi, and as our back put, puts it, Kuzi looks said he says he looked at me and said, "What am I doing wrong?" And right there, I knew I had a superstar in my hands. So that decision, all of this stuff that we talk about, this podcast doesn't exist. All of these things, the Reds Army doesn't exist. None of it exists without Kuzi in that moment deciding, all right, let me listen to this guy and see what he's got to say. And let me let me kind of acquiesce a little bit and play play team basketball. I mean, Mike, this is like, this is a make or break thing for the franchise. Yeah, and uh, they did it right. They made it. <laughs> uh, he's got some good teammates at that point. You've got Ed McCauley, who is really one of the early kind of great scorers, even though back then uh, the shooting percentages weren't great. Ed McCauley was uh, one of the better shooters out there at 46% in his uh First year with Boston, he he led the team in scoring. Uh, the the Celtics have good players, but they still can't find team success in the overall team success in the early days of the early fifties. Uh, that's right. Uh, they with Auerbach as the coach, they uh, improved, of course, and then they were a little more successful in the playoffs. Um, they had a winning record every year that Red came, after Red came in. Uh, six years in a row, though, 
they made the playoffs and then did not get out of the East. Uh, you know, they, they just, uh, didn't have enough to get by the other East teams. Uh, the Knicks in particular, the Knicks were pretty good back in those days. And they had, uh, guys like Max Zaslavsky, who you mentioned earlier in that dispersal draft. He was the one that went to the Knicks. Um, Harry Gallatin, Dick McGuire. Those are old timer names that most people today won't know, but, uh, all those guys are in the Hall of Fame. And, uh, they were too tough for the Celtics back then before the Bill Russell days. And then, uh, finally the, the, uh, played, the Celtics played against Syracuse and they had Dolph Shays, another future Hall of Famer. And they couldn't get by him. So, that's why Red knew at that point they had to do something different. They had to get a man who could get the ball for them. Yes. So here's Red. He's got this team that's got some studs on it. Kuzi, McCauley, Frank Ramsey, um, Charmin. I mean, those, before we get to that and the arrival of Bill Russell, these are some these are some big time scorers here, and so why the Celtics needed to get a guy like that is because they needed somebody. Red is a fast break coach. Red's contribution to the NBA, as far as stylistically, is running gun, get the ball, get up. The first few years of him in Boston is run, 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 run. Let's get these guys going. If you couldn't run. You couldn't make the Boston Celtics, uh, and and that's that's kind of what fueled their regular season success. I mean, he he was the original up tempo guy, and you can see it like through the course of history. All of the Red Arback tree of coaches. Don Nelson was a disciple of Tommy Heinsohn, who was a disciple of Red Arback. What did Tommy Heinsohn say all the time? Run, like that that clip of him looking at uh, Walter McCarty. Hey, Walter, run, <laughs> run, Walter, run, you know, Nelly ball running up, up tempo, running gun. That all came from Red Arback, Mike. Tommy actually wrote a book that is titled, Don't They Ever Stop Running, about his <laughs> early Celtics teams that he coached. As, uh, and that's, as you said, uh, every time he's talking about a style of play, that's what he favors, fast break. So, up until this point, we've got Walter Brown, he owns the Garden, he creates the Boston Celtics, names the team after basically the population of the city of Boston, he brings in Red Arback, this running gun coach, Red has this come to Jesus moment with his future Hall of Fame point guard, Bob Cousy, and he's got some kind of stallions, some scorers that he can count on to score the ball, but what he can't do is stop the other team and he can't get the ball for them to do their thing. So that brings us to the arrival of Tommy Heinsohn, Casey Jones, and Bill Russell. We're going to pause the uh, lesson here and pick it up in tomorrow's podcast. This 1956 draft is the most important draft in Boston Celtics history, really, because it gets them, like I said, the three of their cornerstone players. All right. Obviously, you've got 
uh, Bill Russell, you, Casey Jones is a very, very important player. And as you'll hear in the discussion in tomorrow, that I contend that he was basically Marcus Smart before Marcus Smart. And you get Tommy Heinsohn, who later on, on uh, I think we'll do that one on Friday, you, you'll hear exactly how important he is to the Celtics uh, as a player. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer as a player. So uh, he brings an element on offense that's almost as impactful as Bill Russell on defense just because of what it does for uh, the team. And so that discussion goes into uh, tomorrow and Friday. So the Thursday show is going to be the 56th draft, getting those players, a lot of Bill Russell talk, and then we'll, we'll continue that into Friday and get into the Tommy Heinsohn talk, and that will finish up the 1950s. So uh, up until this point, you've now heard the Bob Cousy story. You've heard the origins. I hope you're enjoying this podcast enough to continue subscribing. If you haven't subscribed yet, this is going to continue for the duration of the hiatus. We're going to just take this all the way up to present day. And so we will have... Uh, this deep dive going through the entire story of the Boston Celtics. If you're not a subscriber, please subscribe. If you are a five-star rating and a good written review, you know that that's something that we need. Uh, that continues to keep this podcast up at the top of the rankings. And, you know, that really helps because when advertisers scroll down and you see the Boston Celtics podcast, the Locked On Celtics there in the top 25 of all basketball podcasts, one of the top team-specific podcasts uh, in general, never mind the number one Boston Celtics podcast. It's in the top 25 of all of basketball podcasts right now, better than some of the national shows. It's all you guys, and I really appreciate it, and it's really helpful. So uh, continue to do that and give those five-star ratings and good written reviews. Also, check out the Locked on NBA podcast. I do the Wednesday Locked on NBA. We talk a lot about the Vegas plan, we talk about the NBA draft, that process that's being delayed, how that's being handled, and we give our shows, me and Jake Madison, we give in our third segment of Lockdown NBA the, uh, the, the way we would program ESPN during the hiatus, things we want to see on TV. So check out that show as well. You can always tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Lockdown NBA and also check out the new Chad Ford podcast, Chad Ford's big board as well to get all of your draft needs. It's it's a great resource here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thanks for listening. Back with more of Celtics history tomorrow. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.